Welcome to Building Management Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Josh Fisher. Today on the show, we're going to be taking a deep dive into small businesses and real estate. We're going to be looking at the different types of real estates for small businesses and give you some tips at what types of spaces might work best for your business. We're also going to be talking about this new process of how AI is helping business owners find the right space for their business. Joining us today to talk about small business real estate is Bobby Goodman, co-founder of Trust. Hey, Bobby. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for coming on. So first off, I just want to give everyone an overview. What is Trust? Um, yeah, no, thanks for the introduction. Uh, Trust is a commercial real estate leasing platform where we aim to demystify the experience of leasing office, retail, and industrial space for small and medium-sized businesses. So our focus is really on the smaller users that tend to be either underrepresented or unrepresented by the greater brokerage community. And our tech-enabled platform uh, makes the process uh, streamlined, smooth, and easy. Wow. So I love the word disruptor. Would you say that this is a disruptor of this industry? Uh, I would say it's the natural next step of the commercial real estate industry that is starting to mirror other industries that have already been disrupted, such as insurance, home buying, um, trading, uh, those types of uh, industries. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's start with your background. How did you get involved in this industry and what's your role at Trust? Yeah, so so my background uh, is really deeply rooted in the commercial real estate industry. So uh, my father, uh, who started his uh, commercial real estate development company in the early 70s, is an office developer here locally in Chicago. Um, I was a tenant representative, so I was a basically a tenant's broker. Um, for various uh, companies here in Chicago, most recently with JLL. And I spent about 18 years doing tenant rep work. And then I decided that uh, I wanted to start Trust and had an idea that I thought could be um, a, a strong disruptor in the market, if you will. And now I am uh, the co-founder of Trust along with three other partners. Wow, that's great. So how would you say the company has grown since its launch up until now? Uh, the company is has grown quite significantly and continues to grow significantly. I'm having having a little, little trouble keeping up with where everything is at. But what I can tell you is when we first started, which really we raised our seed round back uh, in Q1 of 2016. So just a little over two years ago, uh, we started with uh, the four co-founders and we are now up to over 35 employees. And we're in several markets around the country uh, currently servicing tenants and landlords in six markets, which are Chicago, uh, Dallas, Austin, Houston, South Florida, Miami, and Washington, D.C., with uh, another few rolling out uh, later this quarter. That's amazing. And do you see like a difference between these cities? Like, is it harder to find commercial real estate in New York than, say, Dallas? You know, it's an interesting question. I mean, when you look at the markets that are you know, kind of let's call them publicly hot boom towns that a lot of folks are moving to. So taking a place like Austin, there's very little available space down there. So the market moves really fast uh, versus a place like Houston, which has grown significantly both in population, but also available inventory and just general development going on, uh, where you have a lot more choices down in Houston of, of space. Um, you also see big differences in the type of industries 
that are in each of these markets. So uh, when you think about Chicago and Austin, uh, you have a big uh, technology community there. When you take a look at Washington, D.C., uh, you have a big uh, kind of government tied industry there. So a lot of government contractors. And when you get down to South Florida, you actually have a lot of international presence in South America and Central America. So it really varies market to market. It's interesting. So going off the international, uh, what about like a Dubai to a Dublin? Uh, is it, would you say it's harder as well, like in terms of commercial real estate? Yeah, it's a completely different animal when you could start to talk about international real estate. The entire model changes. So, so really, our our kind of growth map consists of uh, rolling through the United States, and then at that point we would shift our focus to Canada, then overseas. But there has been a, a huge amount of demand for our service and our product overseas. Uh, but really, it's a very different model because when you think about how brokerage companies get paid in the U.S., they are paid by the owner of the real estate. So just kind of dumbing it down to homes, when you buy a home, the seller pays all the commissions. Well, when you go overseas, you actually see a reverse effect. And a lot of times it's the buyer or the tenant that is paying their own broker's commissions, uh, which makes the pricing sensitivity that much more important and that much stronger. So we would have to see a tremendous shift in our model um, and the way that we facilitate transactions to in, 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 in order to make it work in, in more international type of markets. No, that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it's a problem that every small business kind of goes through just, you know, just looking at real estate and like where they want to locate. So would you, uh, can you kind of go through like a small business mind per se? Like what would a small business be looking for in a space? Like what's the best and what's the worst type of workspace? Sure, sure. So, you know, our average deal size is right around 2,500 square feet or so, and, and it changes each day. Um, but what we've really seen that's interesting is not so much the use of space that they care about, because every business is a little different. So, for example, technology companies like to have a big, wide open collaborative space without a lot of offices. And then you have law firms that Every partner needs to have a, a private office. So you see differences there, but really the difference is in the mindset of how they want to manage the transaction of leasing that space. Small business owners are kind of jacks of all trades. They don't have internal real estate departments that manage these processes on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're actually seeing these small business owners spending a lot of time outside of normal business hours conducting their searches on trusts. And their goal is to make the process as simple, painless, and fast as possible versus bigger companies that really tend to look at um, these processes as a, as a just natural course of business. And they tend to have a lot more complexities that go into these transactions. So really, the small businesses, they're looking for quick, dirty, and easy. That makes sense. So personally, uh, what's some of the worst and the best workspaces that you've seen or that you've worked in yourself? <laughs> um, the best workspaces I've seen are usually technology companies fresh off of a new round of funding. Uh, they certainly know how definitely they certainly know how to spend the money, and and you can see you know old school nineteen eighties video games like Galaga or Frogger or Pac Man. Uh, you know, they have uh, culture rooms, big kitchens, and really they, they make their spaces very inviting so that their employees feel a little bit more at home while they're at work. 
Um, so we've seen a lot of really cool, uh, neatly designed spaces uh, that involve technology companies and other creative industry types as well, like marketing or public relations. Um, when you get into the real kind of boring spaces, that's when you're, uh, no offense to any lawyers out there, but basically law firms are probably uh, the most, some of the more sterile spaces that you see, and they're typically very high end. Um, and so you have a lot of private spaces, but not a lot happening in the more common areas. So uh, it tends to be a little bit more sterile. Yeah, that makes sense. So would you say what defines a good space versus a bad space? Do you think it depends on the industry or are there like tall tale signs that a space is bad or a space is very good? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would say that the industry and, and let's say uh, productive spaces are correlated, but it's not for the reasons you would think. So really the most productive types of spaces that we see out there really have a healthy mix of open workspaces that are collaborative in nature, but you have to make sure that you have enough private space that people can have uh, private meetings or actually get real work done without any interruption. So the spaces that tend to be the most popular these days um, have a really healthy mix of private and open areas. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you think the right workspace for a business does for the company in terms of morale, profitability? I think that that really the right space is, and especially when you get bigger, it's so important to make sure that the right people and the departments that work the most together are adjacent to each other and allows for simply turning your chair around and talking to the person behind you. So, you know, when you take a look at sales, they're highly dependent on marketing. And so when you see these, these different departments being put in a position to collaborate and, and collect their thoughts and, and work on projects together, it's those spaces that bring those different departments together that do a really phenomenal job in, in, in increasing morale and increasing productivity. Um, also, just going back to something I mentioned earlier, it's really important to, to give your employees a place to go take a break somewhere, somewhere where they can just go hang out. Uh, maybe talk with their colleagues and, and kind of, you know, become a, a create a more collegial environment uh, that allow people that may not work together very often the ability to get to know some of their coworkers. And that's what really kind of creates the sense of culture that tends to produce high morale and high productivity. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you talk about tech. I think that's like the front runner of that sort of, you know, bringing everybody together in this common workspace and having places that uh, employees can you know, kind of relax and just regroup. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and really, it kind of lends itself to the business, right? So when you talk about highly competitive businesses, it's important to create privacy, even more so than, than other types of industries. So, you know, technology industry, uh, where everyone really plays a very important role in the company's success and, and, and the technology product, uh, you hit the nail on the head. It really kind of lends itself to those sorts of industries and really depends on where the productivity comes from. Oh, for sure. That makes sense. So you talked about uh, how small businesses are looking to go through the easiest processes possible to look for their real estate. So how can AI make this process easier for business owners? 
Yeah, so artificial intelligence really plays uh, a, a really strong role in creating a more efficient process. So um, when you look at, at a small business owner that is looking for a small space in a large city, let's take Chicago, for example, they literally might have over 150 options that fit their criteria. And to weed through those options can take weeks. Uh, between making phone calls, scheduling tours, spending time looking at spaces, it becomes very cumbersome and, and it's really counterproductive. So where artificial intelligence comes into play is really asking yourself, how can I capture these tenants' requirements and then match those criteria with criteria that spaces have, whether it be a feature set or a certain property amenity, uh, maybe it's a gym, maybe it's parking. And then how can you quickly match up what the tenant's looking for with what the space or property offers? And, and that's a way to really kind of cut through those 150 options and come up with a few options that really match their criteria immediately. So it's really taking a process that could take weeks or months and boiling it down to a couple of minutes. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, I mean, this whole process has just been automated intelligently. I mean, how how did you come up with that? And like, where yeah, where did the idea just stem from? The idea really stemmed from noticing the way that clients of mine, when I was at brokerage companies, more traditional brokerage companies, and how they wanted to consume their data. So, when you think about looking for a home on Zillow or Trulia, uh, what happens when you come to a home that has no pictures? and has no information is you move on to the next one. Now picture a world where that is every single uh, data point out there, which is commercial real estate. And my clients couldn't understand why they can buy insurance online. You know, they can, they can rent a home online. They can make a $7 trade online, but they can't get any information about spaces that are in these high rise properties or loft buildings. And so that's when things kind of clicked for me, where if you were able to aggregate the available supply and inventory in a given market and get full data transparency from pricing to amenities uh, to the basic configuration of the space, you could then go to the tenant side, ask them a series of questions and then you can match up those two pieces. So, so that's where things really started to come together and click for me. And then, of course, the smartest thing that I probably did was bring in uh, three other co-founders, all with different perspectives and backgrounds, but core technology competence. And that really allowed us to then build the product uh, using the vision. Yeah, it's nice to have other people to help out. How would you say you and Trust as a whole utilizes trends and data to formulate what you guys are doing and how you process moving forward? Oh, absolutely. We, we use trends and data to help get our clients uh, educated on the marketplace and where the market is heading. So, you know, we're, we're tracking everything from pricing changes um, to square footage availability changes and all of that data and detail gives us the ability to paint a picture of what the marketplace currently is for our customers and then even begin to project what the marketplace is going to look like in the near and medium term future. And so by using that data and kind of layering it on top of the listings that we have in our platform, uh, you know, we suspect that we will be able to show them 
what the marketplace looks like today and give them confidence that they're making the right decision, whatever that decision is, whether that means let's go ahead and sign the lease now, or maybe we should wait six months and stand pat because the data is telling me that the market might cool off a little bit. So we can really start to use that data to, to project out, um, you know, different areas of opportunity. And, and that really helps our clients make confident and, and most importantly, informed decisions about their office space. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's Building Management Podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Josh Fisher. See ya.